And so this plate of something was put in front of me. <laughs> and it was a real learning curve. But I ate them. And that seemed to welcome me into the family. <laughs> but can I tell you, I've never had them again after that. <laughs> so I hope your stories are great this afternoon. But, um, I'm sure they will be. One of the great advantages of uh, traveling around a bit and uh, visiting different churches and different organizations and so on is I always pick up a news sheet or a bulletin wherever I go. And some of them uh, are pretty good. And there was one uh, or two in particular which uh, I picked up recently. And it came back to my mind because I was taking a funeral three weeks ago in Lark Hall. And by the way, I finish at uh, 20 past 12 in case anybody's wondering if it's a blether and he goes on a bit. 20 past 12, and then we'll have a song. Yeah, is that all right? Yeah, it's uh, Gary after that. Way. So anyway, I was at this funeral, and there we were, right in the middle of it, very somber. And did somebody's mobile phone not go off? And of course, you expect somebody just to turn off their phone very quickly, but this phone went on and on. And it reminded me of uh, a great notice I saw in a church where I was at recently. It said this. They obviously had one of the same issues. It said this. The call of God. When you enter this church, it may be possible that you hear the call of God. However, it is unlikely that he will call you on your mobile. Thank you for turning off your phones. If you want to talk to God, enter Choose a quiet place and talk to him. If you want to see him sooner than you think, send a text when you're driving. <laughs> and then another one was this. The minister, uh, this was in a bulletin, <laughs> the minister will preach his farewell sermon, after which the choir will sing, Break Forth Into Joy. So I'll be very interested to see the final hymn as we sing today, just in case this is my final message with you. Just under 50 years ago, yes, 50, Willie Hutchison was asked to give five minutes on a Bible verse in Summerfield at Gospel Hall in White Inch. Some of you might remember it. And that was quite a daunting task for a young chap in his teens to stand in front of an audience and talk for five minutes about John 3.16. Interestingly enough, over the 50 years since where I've been doing this sort of thing, very rarely have I been asked to speak in John chapter 3, verse 16. But two weeks ago, our own church in Straven, we're going through, we have systematic Bible teaching, and we're going through the Gospel of John, and the verse I was given was John 3.16. I'm going to share that message with you today. Because here's an interesting thing, and I like stories. The Saturday night before the Sunday, I was in the center of Straven going for an Indian carryout, and I was at the bank machine. And Straven's a sort of place, probably a bit like New Mills, where you nod to everybody and you just say hello. And so there was a couple passing, and I nodded to them saying, hello. And she stopped. And she said, Willie Hutchinson. And at that point, you think, oh, no. And I said, yes, it is, but you're going to have to help me. And she said, 40 years ago, my son was in your Sunday school class in Baleson. We've now moved to Glassford. Totally unchurched family this was. 
I said, delighted to see you. How are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And she said, what church do you go to? I said, the wee one across the road there next to the Weaver's Pub. When's your service? 11 o'clock Sunday morning. I'll be there. Now, I have to confess, I didn't think this couple would be there. They were there. And they came back last Sunday too. And God willing, they'll be there this Sunday too. And you know the verse? John 3.16. And it was wonderful to share the love of Jesus with a family I haven't literally seen for 40 years. They used to come to Swarries and all sorts of different things. Why I say that is this. What we do for the Lord is not in vain. You're working away for Jesus and we'll go on to our message very shortly. We're working away for Jesus, doing lots of things. It's not in vain. Keep going. These youngsters through in the Sunday school there, who knows, God willing, in 40 years' time, where they'll be. Keep praying. Keep working. Because the circle comes round. Here's our Bible reading for this morning. It is that lovely section of God's Word. You know it ever so well. John chapter 3, verse 16, down to verse 21. Here's what it says. Powerful word. And we butt into a conversation here. He's talking, the Lord Jesus is talking to a great religious leader called Nicodemus. So we're eavesdropping into a conversation. We often do that, don't we, in buses and trains and supermarkets and things. You hear a bit of a conversation, you're tempted to follow on to find out what the next bit is. Have I done that? No, it's just me. Okay, right. That's, uh, that's what happened. Here's Jesus. He's talking to Nicodemus. He's been through part of the conversation and he says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's only begotten son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Amen. God's precious work. Two weeks ago, I was in St. Ambrose High School in uh, Coat Bridge, a Roman Catholic school with the Gideons giving out 255 testaments to the young folks. Tremendous. Each one took it. Staff were extremely helpful. Far better, I have to confess, than some of our non-denominational schools. But the staff were there and we gave out these Bibles. We'd been sharing this with them from page 21 of the little testament that uh, you may remember you got in school and are still going strong. Here's what, here's what it says. There is a verse in the Bible that has been translated into more than 2,300 languages and dialects. It tells of a God who loves us with an everlasting love. The verse is John 3.16 and can be found in page 245 of the little book. So here I was, I was handing out the testaments to the young folks. And one of the young ladies in the class said, Sir, sir. I didn't realize she was talking to me, but she was, sir. I wouldn't call sir my life. She said, sir, can I use this in maths? And I said, well, you could use it in maths, but probably you'd be better to use it in your RE class. And the wee lassie sitting next to her, sir, she said, maths, can you use it in maths, M-E-S-S? 
And I said, I'm sure you can use it in mass. Absolutely true story. So I went home and I was sharing this with my dear wife Agnes. And she said, I told you, you're getting deaf. <laughs> and it reminded me of the lovely story, which I may have told you before, but we live in a wee single end in Straven. And I know I'm getting deaf, but I'm pretty convinced that my lovely wee wife Agnes is getting deaf too. So I thought I'd put it to the test. So I went through to the other room and I shouted and I said, Agnes, would you like a cup of tea? Nothing. No response. So I went to the door. I said, honey, would you like a cup of tea? Still no answer. Yes. So I went right over to her and I said, my darling, would you like a cup of tea? And she looked up at me and said, for the third time, yes. <laughs> I genuinely hope that young lady uses that little testament in mass or maths or RE class. But isn't it tremendous that 255 of these went out to a Roman Catholic school in Coatbridge who are very supportive of what we do. And it'll be the same in Ayrshire and all around. The Gideons are still giving out these Bibles. The Lord Jesus is speaking. And in this chapter, he uses four illustrations. You know, preachers have been doing that ever since the Lord Jesus walked his planet, using everyday illustrations to put forward his word. You know what he talks about in verse 7? He talks about birth, because we all know about birth. We've got our lovely wee one there, and don't worry about the noise at all, because it doesn't worry me in the slightest. We've got our, we know about birth. So he talked about that. He talked about wind. When you saw the pictures from Tokyo in Japan last night, 140 mile an hour winds coming in, and we pray for Scotland right now as they're playing. The wind coming in. Jesus talked about that because we can all relate to it. He talked about serpent and a pole because Nicodemus would know that. He was a religious man, and that was the Jewish history. He remembered that happening. And so he talked about that, a visual aid to start the mind stimulating. We still do that. That's how preachers work in these days. Visual images get the mind working. And he talked about light and darkness. We'll touch on that just slightly. It's a simple yet profound verse, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you're on YouTube... Go to Billy Graham. Ten minutes and this verse is outstanding. He makes it live. John Piper does the same. And I'm borrowing from his uh, comments this morning, but never the same caliber of any means. But he talks about four Ds, the letter D for this particular verse. You got it in your mind? For God so loved the world. Lord, perish. Shall not perish. The D for that is Danger. God so loved, the D for that is design. That whoever believes in him, the D for that is duty. So we have danger, design, and duty as everlasting life, destiny. Can we do that in 12 minutes, do you think, guys? Let's try. Danger. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Earlier in the chapter, Jesus had been reminding Nicodemus that uh, in previous days, serpents had come into the camp of the Israelites. They had been bitten, and they, they were in danger. And all they had to do was look 
to a serpent on a pole and they would be healed. Pretty primitive, isn't it? You see, that, that's the danger. We think that God's Word is too simple and too unusual. But God works in remarkable ways. The folks were healed by looking at that. We've heard very much in recent days down in London and other cities in the world we're in danger. Climate danger. We're in financial danger. We're in political danger. Very rarely do we hear what the words of Jesus said back in Matthew 24 and 37 when he talked about actually it is as it was in the days of Noah. People are eating and drinking and going about their own ways and not realizing they're in danger from a holy God. For God so loved the world. It was in January the 6th, 1850. A young man was in a little village and he couldn't get to the church he normally went to. And so he called in to a little Methodist church. His father and his grandfather were preachers, but he hadn't just grasped the concept yet of this needs to be personal and real. And the text that was preached that day was this, Isaiah 45 and 22, look to me and you'll be saved all the ends of the earth. That young man chose to see Jesus for who he was that day. His name was Charles Spurgeon. And he turned out to be one of the greatest preachers we've ever had. Because he looked to Jesus, he realized the danger he was in. The little chorus that goes like this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. You know, we're all striving for things of the earth. What does it say? Things of the earth will go strangely dim. Bigger, better. I got an advert in for a car recently and it said, make your neighbors jealous by this one. That's the society we're in. It has to be bigger and better than somebody else. Spurgeon, and I pray that us too will look to Jesus. And while it's important to provide for our families and our, all the folks surrounding us, it's important to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Which brings us to grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Which brings us to, if that's danger, and we are in danger from not knowing Jesus, it brings us to design. God created a wonderful planet and he sent Jesus into this planet. And what happened? He was crucified and he died for us. But it was all in God's plan. One of my favorite walks on a Sunday morning with the dog is this. I leave early and I go up and if you're in Straven, there's a monument on the hill to the War Memorial, highest point in Straven. I take the dog up there and we have a wander around and then down through the graveyard. Only about a month ago, I noticed a gravestone and I've walked that path for about 30 years now. Bottom of a gravestone, which I hadn't seen before, it said this. Nothing surpasses the love they had for us. It was a lovely line. Parents were obviously buried there, and this is what the family had written. Well, from a family point of view, they're absolutely right. But the Bible tells us about a greater love. One who gave his very self to die for us. 
There's an old Bible verse that says this, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned every one to our own way. Passed a few sheep on the way down this morning. We're doing our own thing. Have we turned back to God and followed his design for us by trusting him? I've got a few things which I'm taking off our list of things to do. And one of them is this Auschwitz and Birkenau concentration camps. My youngest son and I went out in March this year, a truly memorable experience. I encourage you to go, um, for those of us who were not involved in World War II, it's a stunning uh, memorial situation. In Auschwitz, there's this little postcard. And it says this. Starvation cell number 18 in basement block 11 in the camp jail where the SS confined prisoners sentenced to death by starvation. The Polish Franciscan priest Maximilian Kolbe died in the cell after voluntarily taking another man's place in a group of prisoners sentenced to the SS to starve to death. I stood outside this cell. They have three candles permanently in position as a memorial to this wonderful gentleman. He gave his life for others. Our Lord Jesus loved us so much. He came to this planet to die for us so we could get our life sorted. So we could have our sins forgiven so we could one day be in heaven. Our youngest son, Gordon, he now speaks at many events across the country. He's the poster boy for the donor campaign. You may have seen these posters in hospitals and surgeries and TV adverts and so on. He goes around telling his story now about how he's been given new life. Four weeks ago, he was in Edinburgh speaking at an event. It was an award ceremony for families who had loved ones who had passed on, whose organs were donated, and others were given the opportunity of new life. Gordon did his story. And then there was an opportunity for families to come up and receive their award. This was all scripted. What wasn't scripted was this. A gentleman came up whose daughter had sadly died. Her organs had been used to save the life of four other people. And he came on, he got his award from whatever medical gentleman was handing them out. And then he went across to Gordon. And he shook his hand. No words were spoken. Agnes was sitting two seats away. All she could see was a wee tear dropping down his eye. Because he knew that his daughter had given new life to somebody else. And the great comfort and joy in a strange way he got from that. What was it like for our gracious God to give Jesus? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You can't really read those particular words without reading Mark 15, 33 to 39. As I thought about that dad, here's what it says. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, his father. My God, why have you forsaken me? When some of them standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it in a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes down to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. 
Another Bible verse says this. This is love. Not that we love God. But he loved us and sent his son to die for us. That was the design. What about the duty? On the way down this morning, I noted with interest, when I leave my estate, it's 20 miles an hour. And then Straven, it's 30 miles an hour. And then it changes to 60 miles an hour. And then you go through Drumclog and it changes to 50 miles an hour. And then it goes back to 60 and then you come into New Mills and Darville and it's 30 and 40. So you've got 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. I've got a duty to behave and obey these rules. And my sons think I'm terribly boring because I do. And maybe you do too. But you see, it's rules and regulations we have a duty to obey. And correctly so. God doesn't enforce salvation on you or me. But it's our duty to respond to that because he sent his son to die for us. I remember this little verse was a means of bringing me to Jesus. I was told at a church service that God wants to have a relationship with us. That he wants to cleanse us. He wants to clean us out from all that we've done and start anew and have a wonderful relationship with God. And I remember it well. Alien Drive in Mount Vernon, east end of Glasgow. In front of the television, a preacher was there and he got his Bible out and he said, William, I'm going to make this verse quite simple for you. For God so loved William that he gave his only begotten son that if William believes in him, William will not perish, but William will have everlasting life. And I got it. Been in church for years. Been through Sunday school. Been through Bible class. Done all sorts of things. But that night I got it. It was for me. Have you? You got it? You grasped that, that it was for you that Jesus came and Jesus died. So we have a duty to believe in that. And then destiny, everlasting life. How good is that? The great hope of the Christian. Christians use a great word. When somebody dies, and it's this, at home with the Lord. Have you heard that? Sure you have. It's a lovely phrase. When you look at it, it's very simple. It's very profound too. At home with the Lord. Let's take it in reverse order. Lord, reverence. The one we follow, the one we obey. Is Jesus our Lord this morning? We may have a token faith. Is Jesus really our Lord that we're following? And then there's with. It's a lovely little word that at home with the Lord. So if he's our leader, our king, our savior, our friend, with, that involves relationship. I'm with Agnes, my dear wife. I'm with my sons because they're my sons. With means a relationship. Do you have a relationship with Jesus this morning? Are we truly following him and trusting him? And that little phrase, at home. Home's great, isn't it? I love going home. I love driving up from Hamilton, knowing I'm going home. I love driving up from here. Because home is where we feel secure. And that everlasting life means we will be at home with the Lord. Are we confident in that? And having wrapped all that together, and we finish in two minutes, Gary, we talk about light and darkness. Because Jesus went on to say, okay, 
If that's the case, you've got everlasting life, you're following Jesus, there's actually a responsibility on us, folks. And many of us will be Christians here today. If we have that faith, we should be living a life that resembles Jesus. It was a lovely wee story. I love stories. And it was this. The phone rang early in a school and a suspiciously young voice explained that a certain pupil would not be in that day as he was sick. The secretary thanked the caller and asked who was calling. My dad came the reply. <laughs> I love that. That could have been my grandchildren. You see, it's a good wee story, but it was a lie. Lies can be sinister and dreadful and cause all kinds of grief. Our family's going through all sorts of dreadful stuff with Facebook and media and Twitter and all that sort of stuff just now. Maybe some of you have gone through that too. It's dreadful. It's appalling. But we can't do anything about it because it's out there. You see, we're to walk in light and not darkness. Folks are walking in darkness just now, big style. And it grieves me. And maybe you've gone through that too. But you see, as Christians... Here's what the Bible says, that if you and I know Jesus, our life should be this, Galatians 5 and 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Because you see, if we've grasped Jesus, and we've got a faith in him in that wonderful verse, for God so loved the world and loved me and loved you. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's not just for then, it's for now too. And we live to glorify him. So whatever your circumstances are this morning, still to find Jesus, can I encourage you to think about these things. Token faith, can I encourage you to really get to grips with following Jesus because there is none better. And really switched on, the devil will come along and try and attack us. I know that only too well. We keep L-P-T. Keep loving, keep praying, and keep trusting. And God is with us. Amen. We're going to sing. Thank you, Gary. Who reigns on earth? Who 
Forevermore. 